about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Hallelujah. Well, did you bring a Bible this morning? Yes. All right, she's got you all worked up. Now I can build your character a little bit. All right, go to John's Gospel, Chapter 3 this morning. I don't want to talk to us about something very simple this morning, but something that basically could save you about 10 years in Christianity. If you just know it, it'll save you a lot of struggling and messing around and all that stuff that you've probably been taught. John chapter 3, look at verse 1. It says, There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into what? Now notice, we know this scripture, and we've read this scripture a lot of times, but I want to just point out, first of all, that you must be born again. How many of you know that? The born again that you got is a spiritual rebirth. It's not a physical rebirth. It is a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live in a physical body. That's why you need to attend to spiritual things more than you attend to the natural things, basically, and the mental things that are out there. But notice what it talks about the new birth. For years I was taught the new birth was your way into heaven, but here it doesn't even mention heaven. It mentions a new birth is your way into something called the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. Basically, when you got born again, you enter into a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom that was on the earth at one time. Adam was in that kingdom, and then he lost that kingdom when he sinned. Jesus came to bring that kingdom back, and when he did, you had an opportunity to enter back into that kingdom. At that time, you became a son of God. You belong to the family of God. Say, I belong to the family of God. Now, that should be good news for you. I don't know. Praise God. You're also a citizen. Say, a citizen. Now, the main thing about a citizen in a kingdom is they have legal rights. You have rights, legal rights. Religion never told you you had legal rights. They tried to tell you how to get legal rights. They told you how to get churchy rights. But this is a kingdom and you have legal rights in the kingdom of God. All right, go to Second Corinthians chapter 5. When I first got born again, this was a portion of Scripture right here that God put me on, and I was there for probably six months. I didn't go anywhere else, but this little Scripture here, God said, I want you to understand this, and if you understand this, you will go very, very far in the things of God. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become what? And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. See, I have a ministry. ministry. Notice, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto themselves, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. 
Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though Christ did beseech us by thee. We pray in your Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made what? The righteousness of God in Christ. Notice, when you have a new birth experience or you come into the kingdom of God, I believe it should be a time that you know it happened. You know what I mean? If you don't know what happened yet, then you need to have an experience where you know what happened. On December 21st, 1985, about 8 o'clock in the evening, I knew that I knew that I knew something happened. I never knew about born again because I wasn't taught it. But, man, something happened in my life because it totally changed in a matter of seconds in my life. So what I like to call is I like to, and I pray for people in the church that they have what I call a burning bush experience sometime. I mean, no, Moses had a burning bush experience. I mean, no, Paul had a burning bush experience on the way to Damascus. I mean, no, Jesus had a burning bush experience when he was baptized and the Holy Ghost came upon him. Notice there's an experience you have with God, and at that time, the Bible says you are born again. Say born again. again. Say born again spiritually. spiritually. Now, there's some words in here you really need to emphasize. They're still circled in my Bible. It says in verse 17, therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he what? He what? He it. Now, notice, the key word in that whole whole thing is the word is. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Because when I got born again, I didn't know that. So once I got born again, I just knew something happened. I didn't know what. I didn't know there was really any changes in my life. So I loved God. I had a desire in my heart to serve God. So I spent the rest of my life trying to become a new creature. See, I wanted to become a new creature. I wanted to please God. I wanted to do all this stuff, but I was an alcoholic. I wanted to do this stuff, but I was a sinner. I wanted to do this stuff, but I was an angry man. I wanted to do this stuff. So I spent my first year, year and a half trying to get rid of things in my life that I could have got rid of my things in my life the day that I got born again. You understand? You stepped over. Notice what it says here. Verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are what? Are what? Are what? Passed away. Say, passed away. Now, if you're born again and you're claiming things from your old life, you're wrong. That old person who you were, whether he was an alcoholic, a druggie, whatever, a sinner, he died on the day that you were born again. You're not trying to kill the old man. Trust me, Jesus did a good job. He killed that sucker once and for all, man, and he's gone. How many of you know that? So he killed that thing. So now you've got to find out in here. See, Christianity isn't this journey of trying to chisel things out of my life so that I please God. It's a journey of discovering what Jesus provided for you on the cross. And when you became a new creation, you instantly became this person who you are right now. So when I read this verse, I was no longer a recovering alcoholic. I was no longer an alcoholic who was trying to get free. I was no longer somebody who was struggling to get alcohol out of my life to please God. The alcoholic died on December 21st, 1985, and that day walked out. Hallelujah, out of the grave, a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, how many know I could have kept claiming? Yeah, are you born again? I'm born again, but I'm sure an alcoholic. I got an alcohol problem, praise God. Just keep right on drinking, but I'm born again. I love Jesus with all my heart. What are you doing? I'm fighting it. I'm fighting it. See, if you're struggling with anything in your life, it's because you're struggling with anything in your life. (laughs) Oh, that was good there. (laughs) That was good there. See, you're the one. Trying to do what Jesus did on the cross. He wanted to be Jesus for a little bit. See, I'm not an angry man. I'm going to fight that anger. Oh, when I start to get angry, I'm going to count to ten. One, two, three, five. I, no, all you got to do is understand you're no longer an angry man. So even when you start to get angry or you get angry, say, gosh, that wasn't me. I repent for that. I'm not an angry man. I walk in love and peace and joy every single day. Praise God. That's who I am. Why? Because I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have 
How many know pass away means dead? So when God started showing me this scripture, of course, a lot of times he used illustrations with me. Back at this time, I was, I was driving a 1984 Chevy Chevette. Yeah. Came down from Ohio. I had no air conditioning. I had a hole in the floor. Whenever it rained, it came up. The ceiling sagged down and tapped you right here on the head. You knew you were in the car when you were there. It was rusted on the outside. It was old. And praise God, that's what we were driving. Hallelujah. And I was driving around, and I'll tell you, when I went to the grocery store, it was no problem. I parked wherever I wanted to park. When somebody pulled out in front of me, I sped up. Thought maybe if they hit me, I'd get a new car. See, so I was trying to do my best. If, if the kids ate in the car, I don't care if they eat pizza in there. I don't care if they use the top for their hands. This car was old. This car was ugly. This car. But then one day, say one day, after a long period of car, I got a new car. And the old one passed away. I guarantee you they did not resell it. It passed away. Are you following me? I think it's gone. They crushed that thing as soon as they could to get rid of it. So I got in a new car. And all at once, my thinking started to change. All at once, when I went to the grocery store and saw these people flinging their doors open, I parked way out here. Only one out there, praise God. Why? Can nobody go to ding my door from there unless they really swing that thing, praise God. Somebody pulled out in front of me. Why? Because I didn't want to run into somebody. Don't you dare bring food in my new car. Do you see? Well, we did that all the time. That was the old car. We now in the new car. What was it doing? It automatically changed my mindset. Now, see, the problem with some of you is you've been born again, but you're still a Chevy Chevette. Come on, you still got a hole in your floor and the water's coming up, the thing's sagging down on your head, you got all these issues, you got all these problems, and because you brought that stuff into the new life, you're fighting with that stuff in the new life, and your whole life's nothing but fighting yourself. God can't take you any further, he can't do nothing, because you can't do it, because you're angry, because nothing works for me, and I got problems, and I got a drug problem, and I got this problem. No, you don't have those problems anymore. You have them because you continue to claim... See, what no longer belongs to you. You died on that day, praise God. Well, I was so glad to find out that that alcohol was dead, and I just closed my eyes and saw him get killed and buried in the ground, and that was it for me for alcohol. You want to drink? I don't have to drink anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old thing. Well, your whole family's always been angry. They get angry at everything. Well, that was my family. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, and I don't have to get angry anymore if I don't want to get angry anymore. Praise God. Well, you got to worry. You know, Grandma, she was a good warrior. Mom's a great warrior. Your dad's a super warrior. And now you can be a warrior, too. You want to wear a we're all worried family shirt. And I said, I ain't going to do that anymore, praise God. I'm not a worried man anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And what's on the inside of me? All the new things in me are of God. So the peace of God is in me. The joy of God is in me. The power of God is in me. And see, what, what we do is we get people born again. Then we put them in our church and we teach them all the bad things they're doing, all the wrong things they're doing, what, what miserable they are. My God, the Father's Day messages used to kill me. Men, we know how you're treating your wife and your kids. You're angry, you're lazy, you can't do nothing. It's time to move up from there. And you left going saying, I'm angry and I'm lazy, but I'm going to fight that and do my best. And next year, they're going to give me the same sermon. I'm going to do the same thing all over again. See, because that's not it. That's not the sermon. It's who you are now in Christ Jesus, it said here. Here it says you've been reconciled to God. Yeah. Most people are trying to reconcile themselves. Wow. I mean, well, let's just throw Jesus out if we can do everything. Come on, if I can get good enough to go to heaven, I don't need Jesus. If I can reconcile myself to God, I don't need Jesus. If I can be holy and righteous by myself, then I don't need Jesus. And I'll tell you, if you do it yourself, here you go. I'd have that walk. Yeah, I'm righteous. That's right. That's right. 
I haven't cussed for two days now. That's right. But see, that's not what it's about. It's about who he made you and you claiming who he made you and then you will become. As a man thinks in his heart, so is. So if I think, oh yeah, I'm saved, but I've always had problems. I'm always nervous. I've always fallen apart. I've been depressed. You're going to live that way, but that's not who you are. Jesus paid for that at the same time when you enter the kingdom of God. You've got all that stuff already put in your life and it belongs to each and every one of us. So I found out all at once that, my God, here it says in verse 21, for he has made him to be sin for us, uh, sin that, he, that I might be made, that I might be what? Made, that I could try to be? That I do my, no, I could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So I started saying, my God, I'm righteous. And after the church stoned me, told me how full of pride I was, told me to find a church that believes in that stuff, which was hard to find. But no, notice, he made you the righteousness of God. So if he made me that, I'm going to be that because he made me that. And I found out the only way to please God is not by chiseling your outside, not by trying to get rid of all your bad works. The only way to please God is without faith, it is So faith, all I've got to do is believe what God did for me. And when I do that, God goes, woohoo, it's about time. Somebody got it down there, praise God. It's about time. He's righteous. There he said that. Woohoo, look, Jesus, somebody's actually awake down there. See, because what are you doing? You're bringing what's in you out of you. And let me tell you, there is plenty on the inside of you that we have not brought out yet. See, the miracle worker you've been desiring to have on the inside, he's already on the inside of you. The devil caster outer is already on the inside of you. The anointed person is already on the inside of you. But our problem is we're out here trying to get it someplace. You're not going to get it through a walk. You're not going to get it through a talk. So you've already got it because Jesus provided it for you on the cross. And notice what it says here. He reconciled the world unto himself, not imputing. He's not even holding their sins and trespasses against the world. And we all say, well, God's going to get you. You ever hear that? Oh, man, you're such a sinner. God, will you just wait? God's going to get you. God's already forgiven them. The only problem is they don't know that God's forgiven them, so they're not reconciled to God. So our ministry is to tell them that they've been reconciled to God so that they say, all i got to do is understand that he paid for my sins and I can come into the kingdom. You say yes, and in they come, praise God. And what does that do? Praise God. They come into the kingdom of God. They've been reconciled to God. You've been reconciled to God. This morning, let me just say this. You are so important to God. Some of you go, can't believe you said that. It's the truth. You are so important to him. You think, oh, he's so wonderful. He's so important to me. You're important to him. He can't do what he wants to do down here unless he uses you to do what he called you to do. And if you ain't doing what he called you to do, then you're just here right now at this place. And you're going to live your whole life. And you may have 14 cars and 15 buildings and everything else. But when the time comes in those late years, you're going to understand why did I waste my life? But see, you don't have to waste your life, hallelujah, because he's made you something on the inside, and there's a call of God that's on your life right now, and everything you need for the call of God is already on the inside of me right here, in the inside right here. So, so as I get, get these things and manifest, you say, see, the pastor was always in here. He might have been dancing on the bar. <laughs> he might have been singing all the time. God's saying, I reconcile that boy, and he's a pastor. He don't look like much now, but he's a pastor. Now look, he's starting to tithe. He bought a round. <laughs> See, I'm starting to give. I'm starting to give already. God said, here he comes. He's getting a little bit closer to the kingdom of God, praise God. 
There, he said it again. I'm not drinking anymore. He, he's, he's, I'm getting his will there where I needed to get to a place to where he finally says, that's it. I can't do it. God says, good. I'm moving in right now. Praise God and take it. See, I tried to quit, 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 swore I'd quit, tried to quit, tried to quit. And as soon as the phone rang and said, meet me at the bar, guess where I was at? The bar. Every single time. Why? Because my own will was not enough to get me free from it. It took something on the inside of me, which is the spirit of God and the anointing of God who lives on the inside of me. Now, here's the key. If I just see that I've been made righteous and I claim my righteousness and agree with God, the ability of God to live a righteous lifestyle is already on the inside of me. So that ability of the anointing causes me to live a righteous lifestyle because I believe I'm a righteous person. I believe I'm a holy person. I believe I'm a powerful person. And that anointing will back up God's word every single time. So now to live the life, it's God's problem. Are you following me? So I live the life of God. How do I live it? Because he made me righteous. I just agreed with the righteousness. Now he's given me the ability through him to live the righteousness of God in Christ. It's the same way with healing. You've got to stay in line with the word of God is when God's health deals with everything. Do you understand? You're either healed or you're not. Yeah. See, you've either been born again or you're not. Or if you're born again, healing is basically a byproduct of you entering the kingdom of God. It's a divine right for you, just like heaven is. How many of you know if you die today, you're going to heaven? Amen. How many of you know you're healed today? Nobody. Why? We haven't been taught that stuff. And I'll tell you why. Oh, Lord. Is it all right? Okay, because before you were in a religious church, and religion does its best after it gets you in the kingdom of God to bind you and lock you into that church. Are you following me? When I was in a denomination, what happened in that denomination? Well, they had me pray a prayer all the time that said, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Well, after praying that 50, 60, 100 times a day, how many know you believe it? So I knew I was a sinner. Well, the only way that I could get to heaven, which was everybody's goal, was basically to confess my sins to get rid of them. But the only way I could confess my sins was go to the only man who could forgive my sins, which means I had to stay there because I had to go to that man to get rid of my sins in order to get to heaven. So I couldn't leave. Because there was nobody else out there could take care of my sins but the man. Are you listening to me? So it locked me in. I had no place to go. I couldn't do anything. Communion with God. Communion with God only came only when one man turned the water into wine through a supernatural thing. Then you could have communion with God, see? So I, I wanted communion with God. I couldn't leave because he's the only guy. I couldn't come to Pastor Tom. He couldn't turn that stuff into God's body and beard. He couldn't forgive my sins. Why would I go to TCVC when I got exactly what I need? Come on now. In the religious church, are you following me? So they lock people in, you see? They make themselves, they would never try to teach you righteousness because, my God, you might believe it. And if you believe it, there's no reason to go to him because you don't have any sins to confess in his confessional. And then he can't, are you following me? He can't get there. So religion always binds you. If you're in a free place, you're free. See, I'll tell you right now, if some of you miss church next Sunday, I'm going to comfort you. You won't go to hell. I ain't kidding you. You won't go to hell. It won't happen. But you still should be pursuing, you see what I mean, your relationship with God. Most of you, 99.9% .9 of you who are here today are here because you want to be here. Not because we lay down the rule, and this is TCVC, thou shalt come to church at least three or four out of four Sundays, or thou will go to hell and will not make you a member. And let me tell you right now, we ain't got any members, so you're never going to become one anyway. We don't have church members. We've got citizens and sons of the kingdom of God in this place, praise God. Listen, 
What God's doing is bigger than our church. It's bigger than, you can put every church out here together, it's still bigger than that. God's talking about kingdom. We're talking about our little denominations and our little churches out here, fussing and fighting everybody. And basically we're falling apart. Why? Because the kingdom cannot stand if it's against each other. So basically what we want to include everybody in the kingdom of God. Now, most denominations have some good stuff in them. How many do you know? And some things aren't so good. So God's picking out a little bit of the good stuff here, a little bit of good stuff there. If you pick it out of every church and every denomination, you put it all together, that's the kingdom of God. So you don't want to be you don't want to be bound, you don't want to be held back, you don't want to do these things, but you do want to believe God. And if God says he made you the righteousness of God in Christ, then you should be the righteousness of God in Christ. All right, go to John chapter 1. All right, are you in John chapter 1? Good, go to 1 Corinthians 15. <laughs> Just seeing if you knew where John was and everything. It worked out real good. I've got to back up some of these scriptures with what I'm saying because some of you look at me like I don't know what I'm talking about, basically. And I'll show you in scripture. That way you'll know that what I'm talking about is actually in here and what's in here can apply to your life, and if you know what I mean. I'm a specialist. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34. Paul says, awake to righteousness and do what? Sin not. not. Notice what he says. Awake to righteousness and what? Now, he don't tell you to stop sinning and become righteous. He just tells you, wake up. You're righteous. And if you understand you're righteous, guess what happened? You will... See how easy it is? But we've been taught if you do A, B, C, D, then you become righteous. I did it. I made it. I did it. I got there. I did it. I did it. I did it. I've only kicked my wife once this entire week. I'm holy and I'm righteous. No, no. You believe it. And when you believe it, it activates the desire to be righteous on the inside of you by the anointing. And then you start thinking and living a righteous lifestyle in your life. It will be abnormal for you to sin See, we've been taught everybody's got to sin. Everybody's got to sin. Everybody's got to sin. But then the Bible tells you that that you're not supposed to sin at all. The Bible tells you you're supposed to resist sin and it'll go away. The Bible tells you that you're not supposed to sin at all. But we've been taught that everybody falls. Ever heard that? Everybody fails. Everybody falls down. I said, well, we'll keep confessing that and you be one of them. See, that falls and fails. Why? Because that's who you believe you are and that's what you're doing. So you remain a sinner your whole entire life simply because you have not awoken to righteousness. Okay, if you awake to righteousness and sin not, then when I awake to healing, guess what? I get sick not. Amen. I awake from being, I awake to be powerful, then I'll lose my powerlessness. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Whatever you awake to or get a revelation of the Bible of who you are, you'll get rid of. You don't have to get rid of anything. Do you understand? If you turn out all the lights in here and there's darkness, we can pray in tongues for four hours here. We can shout light, be light, be light, be. But if somebody just goes over and hits a switch and the light comes on, guess where darkness goes? See, it's not you getting rid of things. It's you taking on things. And the more that you take on, the more that leaves your life. When you take on healing, sickness goes. When you take on peace, worry goes. When you take on righteousness, sin goes. When all these things, you're just supposed to believe what God did for you and take those things on and eliminates these things you've been fighting in your life.
life for 25 years and not getting anywhere on because it doesn't work that way. Hallelujah. All right, let's go to another one. Go to Romans chapter 5. Y'all look like you're in a state of shock this morning. People always say when I'm done, they say, boy, that was easy. Yeah, it is. It is. But in your mind, you're fighting this stuff the whole time. In your mind, this is what causes you to do religious works that you don't have to do because you're trying to do something to impress God. And God's already impressed with you. Matter of fact, according to this scripture, Romans chapter 5, look at verse 8. But God commendeth his love or proves his love towards us in that while we were yet, what? When did he die for you? Not when you got better? Not when you improved it? And Jesus said, woohoo, they're doing good. I'm going to come down and die for them. No, he died for you while you were, say were. How many know that's past tense? You were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Now look at verse 9. Much more than when? When? Now justified by what? No, by my works. No, I went to church 13 times last week at all different churches, so I'm justified by going to church. No, you're justified by his we shall be saved from the wrath through him. So notice, you were a sinner. Say, I were a sinner. But you're not a sinner anymore. See, as long as we normalize sin, as long as we normalize worry, as long as we normalize these things, they will become normal in your life, and most of you had because of your parents and everybody else around you. This is the normal way to live, even as a Christian, in worry and fear and doubt and an unbelief and as all these things. And then when somebody comes along and tells you how to get out of that, it messes you up because you're so used to being who somebody told you that you were. I heard this story one time. There was a little boy who was poor, and he got a bicycle, but the bicycle handlebars were crooked, and he had to had rid it that way. They couldn't fix him, so they just straightened out the wheel, and when he'd ride a bike, he'd ride a bike like this, but he rode a bike. He had a bike, but then somebody saw him and said, well, that's too bad. I'm going to get him a brand-new bicycle, so he got a new bicycle, and he got, it, and he got it up there, and he got up, and he fell off about the first four times because he was so used to having the abnormal bicycle, he thought it was normal. And then when he got a normal one, he couldn't do anything with it because it was normal. And that's what the devil has done to our thought life. Everybody's got a sin. Everybody falls sometime. We're all trying to live up to God's standard. He's so holy and you're so unholy. He's so righteous and you're so unrighteous. He's so powerful. Don't you dare claim any power. Well then, I mean, God gives me a desire in my heart. How many know God gives you the desires in your heart? So he gives me a desire in my heart and I, I got born again. I said, woohoo, he wants me to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of people. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So I go up to the pastor and the pastor says, that's a great desire, but you, you don't have any power. Remember, God's got all the power and God's got all the anointing and God's got all. So I get this big desire and I can't do it because I ain't got the ability to do it. So I'm carrying around this big thing big desire. Are you going to be a pastor? Yeah. How are you going to do it? I can't do it because I ain't got any power. See, if we teach people what they really got to go along, it would make a big difference in their life. Let's just go to that scripture quick. Go to Philippians chapter 1. I just love the church. I just love church people. I'm telling you what, I just love them. You know. <laughs> I've been in this too long. <laughs> you're holy. You're righteous. You're a miracle worker. You're a ah, new creation. Ah, this is what you need to do to change. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
It's noon. See? Nobody wants to change. Everybody just wants to get all excited, see, and get all, get all hopped up. And there's nothing wrong with that. How many know you need some excitement? But then again, there's something called change, and that's what hangs on to that excitement. See, I'm excited all the time about the things of God because I have character built in me through the Word of God again. How did you do that? I believed. I just believed the Word. All right, Philippians chapter 1, look at verse 6. Paul says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a work, a good work where? Where at? Where at? Will perform it until the day of Christ. Now, I've heard all the time that God's working on you. He's chiseling everything off. He's getting rid of your bad habits. He's getting rid of this. He's taking care of this. And the more you try, struggle, he's going to get rid of this. But notice God isn't even working out here. He's working in here. Well, what's he doing in there? I'm glad you asked. Go to chapter 2. This is a key verse right here you need to learn and understand. For it is God's, 2.13, for it is God which works where? In you both to and to. Oh, my gosh, that's good. Notice. God is in you today to get you to will. And to do. <laughs> Both to will, say to will. So God's in here. Another word for will here is desires. God, once you get born again, starts putting different desires in your heart. How many of you got different desires than when you were in the world and when you get in there now? So he puts these desires in your heart, but not only does he put the desires in there, but he also gives you the ability to do those desires that he places on the inside of you. So whether it's, it's living a righteous life, what's he going to do? He's going to give you a, a will. How many, how many have a will to live righteously before God? Have a will to live in peace and joy their whole life. So it has a will to cast out devils and heal the sick, has a will to do all these things. Well, not only if he gives you the will, the best thing is he also gives you the ability to do those things. But the problem is it scares us so bad of what he tells us to do that we don't think we can do it because we look at ourselves and see if we, we can do it. And you can't. Any desire you get from God in here, 99 out of 100 times, you can't do it on your own ability. You've got to learn to trust in the ability that's on the inside of him. And that ability is someone by the name of the Holy Ghost who's on the inside of you. So when he gives you the ability to do something, why is he doing that? He's giving you that will and that ability. It's according to his will so that you can advance the kingdom where you're at and what you were called to do. But he's also giving you the ability to do what's on the inside of you. Now, I know a lot of willing Christians, but I don't know a lot of obedient Christians. And how many know the Bible puts them together? If you're willing and you will eat the fat of the land. We got a lot of willing but then most of them willing people have even been talked out of what they want to do by the pastor or the church, or else they don't know that they have the ability to do it. So basically, they, everybody's full of this will. And when you die, you take God's will to the cemetery with you. And if you went by the cemetery now, you could walk by that tombstone. By God, that, that person was full of the will of God and the call of God. That one was full of that was full of will. That was full of the will of God. But it's still in them because they weren't obedient. I found out if I'm faithful to my little desires, I get to my big desires. See, everybody wants to go to the big... God's called me to the world, and I'm leaving tomorrow. You'll be back the day after that. Because <laughs> it doesn't work that way, you see? Basically, it's a little... God says you're going you're gonna to teach people, you're going to instruct people. So then all at once I had a desire to read the Word. How many know that's important? I had a desire to pray. How many know that was important? I had a desire to study Word. How many know that was important? I had a desire to start a, in a little Bible study and just for fun with four people. How many know that was important? I didn't go from point A to point Z just in one day. I kept following the little desires of my heart that led to the big desires of my heart. 
And that's what you've got to do in your own life. The big desire is wonderful. He shows you the end. God always shows you the, the end from the beginning. And then he backs up and says, let's start. This is where we're going to start here. As a matter of fact, you were, when you were born in this world, he already had what you were supposed to do picked out. You know, he just didn't born you and say, mm-hmm, let's see. Zemi got born. What should we do with her? What do you think, Holy Ghost? What do you think, Jesus? We should do that with her? No. He already had an assignment for her, already had a need that he knew was going to be coming down the pike, and he picked her out, and he put her on the earth, and now your job is to learn what that is. And when you learn the end of the thing, then he'll start giving you little desires to work your way up to the big desire at the end. That's the only way that you get there. That's the way God works. But notice, he's not working out here. Because if you're going to live by things, signs out here, you're going to be misdirected constantly. You know, God, if I'm going to get blessed today, let the sun come up at 6 o'clock. Oh, it came up. Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. That's the way some people actually act. And I'll tell you what, if you're a brand new spiritual baby who knows nothing about the word, you may get that. You know, you may say, Lord, if, if you love me, let the rooster cry at 6 o'clock this morning. And uh, once you wake up at 6 o'clock, ah, 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 oh. And why is that? Because God wants to communicate with you any way he can. But as you grow into things of God, you're going to start hearing on the inside of you what God wants to do in you. And that will starts coming in. I mean, before I got saved, let me tell you, I never was in the bar drinking thing. I can't wait to cast out a devil. <laughs> oh, can't wait to heal the sick. I mean, no, it never even crossed my mind. That was doing that. Mainly because most of the devils needed casting out were right here. <laughs> you see? There was no desire to preach the word. There was no desire to help people. There was no desire to instruct people. And then all once I got born again into the kingdom of God, and all once I could see in the kingdom of God, God started downloading stuff on me to do that never in my life before. And all once heal the sick, cast out devils, do this, do that, do this. And how many know if you've got friends? <laughs> Come on, here's where a lot of people quit. You go to the bar the next night, and they say, get my bud. I say, no, give me a Pepsi. Why is that? Because I'm going to heal the sick, cast out devils, praise God. And they say, oh, yeah, yeah. One of those people, praise God. I mean, you can't even do spiritual things in the church and not be criticized. You see? If there were a lot of churches that could have walked into last week's service. Come on now. Walked into the service. Let's try that church over there, that Treasure Coos Victory Center. They preach a good word, I hear, and they're very nice people. And they walk in, and this one's laughing. That one's falling down. That one's stuck to the floor. This one can't do anything. That one's gone over here. They walk in the back door and say, they don't say praise Jesus most of the time. I mean, we even shared a little bit yesterday about our first experience with the Holy Ghost. And you hear some of the experiences. If you got a natural mind, it would scare your pants off. Do you know that? It would, because you're not used to that. You're natural thinking. You don't think of those things. You don't see those things. It's hard enough to convince people that God wants to heal them. Much less actually touch them and fill them with the Holy Ghost. I mean, why? Because people got to grow in this stuff, and they got to learn this stuff, and they got to do this stuff. But basically, spiritual things are different than natural things. The Bible says the natural mind doesn't understand any of this stuff. So the last thing you want to do is when you get touched by God, totally changed, is go to Thanksgiving Day dinner and try to save your entire family. Because they're going to replace that turkey on the platter <laughs> with you on that platter. See? And here's where wisdom comes in. 
You know, as you grow, as, as you learn, you know how to sneak things in here, a little sucker punch there, throw something over the top, send them this little book. You know what I mean? You're strategic about this stuff. So what, what's God doing? He's showing you his will. He wants you to get the will. And a lot of times, the word of knowledge or prophecy or whatever you want to call it here, a lot of times it's to draw out of you the will or desire that God already put in you. So if somebody prophesies to you something and it doesn't make any sense to you at all, just love them, bless them, and leave. But if it clicks on something on the inside of you, you know, God's been telling me that. And now he told her. So apparently if he told her, I should probably do it. Because he told her to tell me to do it. And I didn't listen to him the first time to do it. So you've got to even discern when you operate in the things of the Spirit, which we do here, is you've got to understand that even when you go to other churches, you've got to be able to detect which is which. Because it can, it can derail you the whole time. Somebody can prophesy what you're supposed to do in your life, and you believe it, and that's not what you're supposed to do anyway, but you believe it's what you're supposed to do because somebody who's been in the church longer than you and seems anointed told you what you're supposed to do. Now you're pursuing the desire and a dream of your heart that God never gave you to begin with, and the more you pursue it, the more it gets frustrating. It gets hard. It's get, I'll tell you, if you're into what God's doing, it's easy. This is easy. See? Studying the Word, getting revelation is easy. Distributing the Word is easy. Flowing in the Holy Ghost is easy. There's nothing to it because it's what I'm called to do. Does it make me any better than anybody else? No. Everybody has an anointing. Everybody has. Some people teach. Some people preach. Some people do this. God has anointed everybody to do a certain thing in their life. But that desire is already on the inside of them. I mean, when we first started, started to get in the church, I mean, we got pro- all at once, everybody's got a prophesy, prophecy for you. I never saw anything like it. Nobody ever spoke a word over me in my life. They said they're going to start a church, and every prophet, dear God, out of the woodwork came. And some prophets would said just nice little things like, you know, you're going in the right direction and God loves you and you're going to be all right. And then you had Owens who says, oh, I see trouble, 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 trouble. <laughs> There's going to be many, many trials for you as you go through the ministry and get started. And I thought, dear God, how long is she going to talk? <laughs> see, but now if you're brand new and you don't know that kind of stuff, how many know this person that floats up there with the anointing on in their long white dress and starts prophesying over you something? You might say, oh, I don't know if we should get in this or not. There's trials and there's troubles coming in my life and they're coming in my life and they're coming. There's, one, there's only one time in my life that I fake God. There was a time that we went down to West Palm Beach. There was a couple here who, oh, this man's so anointed, you got to go down to West Palm Beach, la, 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 la. So we went down to West Palm Beach. There was a guy down there, and basically he was calling people out, and he was laying hands on them. And he, of course, must have known, you know, if you're a pastor, you always get called out for some reason. I don't know if there's a mark on your forehead or what they see or whatever. But they called us out, and they brought us up there. And he said, "Mm, you're new in the ministry, which he knew we were because we were with the people that he knew that knew we were bringing them, and we were new in the ministry. So that was really not not an eye-opener. And then he says, God says he's going to fix your marriage. We know it's on the last string. We know it's right down to the wire. And Becky's holding my hand, and I'm going, and she's going, and I'll tell you what's coming in your marriage and how you're going to save it. And I said, God, I'm sorry, but I'm taking a drop. I said, the power of God ain't going to hit me, but I'm going down. I'm going to shut this person up no matter what it takes. I said, hold on, honey. We're gone, praise God. I fell down. She got pulled down. She didn't know what was going on. Why is that? I ain't going to let him speak that crap over me for the next 20 minutes. I'll go down on the floor and fake a God instead. Praise God. It don't matter with me. Come on now. I don't need that prophesied over me. And, and then a bunch of prayer warriors in there saying, help their marriage, help their marriage. When there's nothing wrong with my marriage to begin with. 
Should have been laying hands on everybody in there for their marriage, not my marriage. My marriage was doing just fine at the time. So you've got to be able to detect this stuff. You've got to know when somebody's prophesying to you in the right direction and, and giving you a word of knowledge that connects on the inside of you. God should have already placed it on the inside of you. It comes from God and his word, not from somebody else. Prophecy is not to lead you and guide you. It's to build you up. It's to do things. It's to show you. So when everybody prophesies of me and it clicks, I take it. If not, I just forgive them and I move on, you know. Maybe they're just stepping out. Maybe they're doing their best. Maybe whatever. That's no thing. But when they start cursing over you, take a drop. Take a drop. Just fall down. Praise God in the Holy Ghost. Lay there. And even if they said pick him up, I wouldn't have got up. They'd have had to really pry me up off the... Sometimes they say, pick them up. I say, you ain't going to pick me up. I don't care how many ushers you got. I'm down here for the duration, brother. Well, why? Because I got, you're, you're going to have enough stuff in your life without people commanding it to come in there. So on the inside of you this morning, there is a will of God on the inside of you. Everyone in you knows what it is. Everyone has that desire for something. Sure, in the world, we desired money. We desired property. We desired to be famous, all that stuff. But all that stuff goes away in God, man. It's gone. Not for everybody, but as you read the Word of God and as you stay in the Word of God, God's going to place on the inside of you the desires of his heart. All right, can I do one more? Yes. Go to Psalm 37. Running a little late because somebody took my first 20 minutes this morning. Hallelujah. We just love Ben and Latasha and their girls. I want you to know that. The only problem is their girls are now my girls and not their girls anymore. So. I'm taking a drop. <laughs> I don't care. They're still mine, whether you believe it or not. <laughs> I could ask Zimi right now and she'd tell you whose girl she is. <laughs> and Chazé. All right, Psalm 37. Here we go. This is good. Look at verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee what? Desire of your heart. Now notice, when do I get the desires in my heart from God? When I delight myself in what? The Lord. Now, we both know from John chapter 1, God and his word are one, right? So we can put the word of God in there. When I delight also in the word, God gives me what? The desires of my heart. So everybody's got this big desire. They want to do things. But then comes verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord and trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. <laughs> I want to be willing, but not obedient. See, Jesus said you'll have life and you'll have it. All right, life is when you enter the kingdom of God. Abundantly is when you obey and do what he tells you to do when you get the kingdom of God. That's why he said life and life more. Jesus said, I will all men be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. But since we've been told all you got to do is be saved and you go to, you didn't care whether you came in the knowledge of the truth or not. You don't care if you had a God desire. You don't care because you don't think you had anything here. You already finished your goal. I'm going to heaven when I die and that's it. But that's what a small, small purpose of why you're here, see. So we're going to be willing and obedient. We're going to get life, but I want life if it's promised. I want, to, I want to be saved, but I want to get into the knowledge of how much of the truth? All the truth. So notice, it's more than just getting born again this morning. It's more than just getting saved this morning. It's more than that. There's a desire in your heart. 
and it's in there. Maybe it's to teach, maybe it's to lead, maybe to help people, maybe to help this one, maybe to do whatever, but it's already on the inside of you. And I'll tell you what, as you obey God step by step by step, you'll one day end up in the place of your desire. And most of the time, you won't realize you got there until after you've been there a while and then think, my God, I got here finally, and I got here a long time ago and didn't even know it because God takes you step by step. Notice the steps of a righteous man, not the race, not, not the giant step, the simple step by step by step. God wants to lead each and every one of us into the place that he called us to do. And when you get in that place, I'll tell you, peace will be yours. Joy will be yours. People will be able to say things about you. It won't bother you anymore. You know that 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 you're doing what God has called you to do. And that's what we all want, isn't it? That's what I want for everybody here. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for my marriage. That's what I want for my kids. That's what I want for my new daughters. That's what I want for each and every one of them. I want to find what God has told them to do in their hearts, and I want them to follow that and touch lives, praise God. It may not be five-fold ministry. That's all right. Most people get more stuff done than we do anyway, praise God. They're out there more. And I'll tell you what, people will talk to you. When they find out you're a pastor, something changes. Oh, pastor. Oh, Jesus. The first thing they think, did I cuss in the last three minutes? I don't care if you cussed or not. I mean, what do you think? I, God goes through me. Hey, did he cuss down there? Isn't that what it sounds like? Oh, I cussed in front of you. Hey, don't talk. We've been listening to you all day, praise God. I've just been here for the last two minutes. People's thought life is so messed up. It's not about me. When you die, you ain't going to come before me. Pastor Tom, no, I won't even be there, praise God. You be on your own then. But I want to make sure you're in the right spot at the right time, in the right place, fulfilling your purpose and fulfilling your ministry. Hallelujah. All right, jump up this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Father, I just ask you right now, now let me go to you, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, rise up on the inside of every person here. Whatever desire you've placed in them, whatever, whatever will that you put on the inside of them, I pray right now that you would remind them of it. You promise to do that. You refresh them of what you've called them to do and what you want them to do in the kingdom of God so we can complete every little portion of what you want to do in this day and in this hour. Rise up, bring to their remembrance exactly what you have placed on the inside. Father, let them draw on you. Understand that it is not impossible. It is not something that they cannot do, only if they try to do it by themselves without the Holy Ghost on the inside. Anointing of God, rise up on the inside of everybody here. Remind them, infuse them, let them know that they are filled with the Spirit of God. Take them step by step by step, Holy Ghost, into the place that they need to go and want to go and desire to go. I break distractions off of your life right now in the name of Jesus. Any worry or any fear that's been plaguing your life right now in Jesus' name, I tell it to go right now in the name of Jesus, and I clear your thought life and clear your mind up, and I Release the Holy Ghost on you 100% full-fledged, hallelujah. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing what you said you would do in your word. Lead and guide them into all truth. And we thank you and give you praise for what you've done this morning through your word, through the worship, through everything that you did in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll see you Wednesday night. Brother Ben will be here. And that's it. the key.